Welcome to No Hype, the podcast about truth, science, and the future of marketing. Brought to you by your hosts, Allison Dietz and Brett House. Hello, No Hype listeners. Thanks for joining us again. In this episode, we will continue our Brave New Worlds 2023 series, where we're listening in to this year's speakers and panelists from TransUnion's Marketing Industry event. If you haven't been following along with the series, Brave New Worlds focuses on the biggest evolutions and disruptions in the marketing world and the things that people are doing to address those changes. But would you like to introduce our session for this episode? Yeah, so this panel was led by Allison. Uh, she interviewed Chris Hawk from Papa John's, Mike Jacobs from Etsy, and Jen Faraci from Digitas. And the group discussed you know, a lot of the challenges, day-to-day challenges of modern cross-channel measurement and the evolutions that they see in the immediate ecosystem and, that, and how that affects their uh, media and marketing strategies. Yeah, so that, that's absolutely true. And, and I think a lot of what they talked about was, you know, we started out with this idea of, of doomsday. And I think a lot of the sessions that we see across Brave New Worlds focused on data deprecation. And, and naturally, people sort of think of it as being this doomsday event and, and very negative. But, you know, is it really as doomsday as everyone makes it out to be? Um, or, you know, is there, is this really a golden age of measurement? And and that question was so, was so well received. Um, and when I say that, it was just because they spoke so much about their, the idea of, you know, expectations around market, marketing measurement and optimization that really are higher than ever before because we have so much data at our fingertips. But despite that, you know, it's really much more challenging to achieve those insights because there's so much fragmentation in the ecosystem that it really requires more leadership and marketing strategy about how best to to gain those insights. What are the um, the details and and the data points that we can leverage? And 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 leadership and strategy really helps to fill the gaps so that you can really I focus on what are the signals that are available to help with data driven decision making. Um, and so I think you know one of the things that Jen said that I really liked was that cookies going away actually did us a favor. Um, and, and that is because cookies weren't all that great in the first place. And so, you know, we have this wildly complex ad ecosystem, but cookies are really hiding the fact that many companies were relying on this easy button for measurement. And when those go away, it really does kind of separate the, those that are truly great from those that maybe aren't so great. Yeah. And they also, uh, Chris talked about, uh, the key performance indicators, the KPIs that really matter. Uh, uh, in today's ecosystem, and you really simplified it because you know you, you, we always ask, is this changing? Should we th- rethink about uh, the KPIs that uh, that we measure as a marketing team or otherwise? Uh, and he said it's really not that all, all that complex. It's either you're trying to reach new consumers, uh, or you're trying to get consumers to do something, some level of engagement. And the hard part is determining whether or not you're actually moving towards those outcomes. So it's 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 sort of that. Touch point, touch point by touch point, visibility and insight into the consumer path, and and whether or not the activities that you've got in market, uh, the messaging, the creative, the audience targeting, etc., are actually uh, affecting those outcomes. Uh, and it's again that comes down to a, a, a data strategy that gives you clear visibility into what really is impacting uh, consumer behavior and how can you best respond to that to deliver you know, consistent experiences and drive better outcomes. So I thought that was pretty interesting. 
Yeah, I loved how he simplifies it. I think that that's just really a, a really great perspective because it's not really like, are you answering the right question, yes or no? It's about how you answer that question. And, and outcomes are really the end goal. And so, you know, Jen also highlights it's that we really should be holding that up as the focus across the marketing organization and, and the marketing strategy, not like hyper focusing on a specific campaign. Um, you know, Mike talks a little bit about how, you know, campaigns can be an organizing principle and you know, how you might segment um, whether or not you're performing against that goal. But really, it's about this, you know, this focus on the end game, which is, are you driving success and answering that question uh, and making sure that, you know, you're, you're pulling in and leveraging all the different signals that are available to you in order to answer those questions effectively in the fragmented ecosystem that we, that we work in today. Yeah. And I think, and I think that long-term goal, it's, it's really about cultivation, stop cultivating, stop targeting and start cultivating customer relationships and look at it. There's short-term goals, but you also, which is that campaign specific activity that you're, that you're driving as a, as a marketing leader, but there are um, the long-term customer lifetime value uh, relationships that you're trying to develop with consumers. And you've got to keep all that in mind from an outcomes perspective. Yeah, Brett, I think that you're absolutely right. And really it's about understanding what are those mile markers along the journey? You know, if you think about it as what is the end in mind? What is the end goal? You have to keep an eye out for where you're going as a, as a long-term play, but you also want to make sure that you're you're on the right path and you're measuring those markers and, and keeping an eye out for those those mile markers along the journey. So I think and I think it was a really interesting discussion and I really want to encourage everyone to to enjoy it and and hopefully you guys can listen in. All right. Hi, everyone. So we just did a quick announcement, but I'm going to have each of you just go through and quickly give a little bit of uh, background and introduce yourselves in terms of your role. And then since we have Chris here with us um, and we have an expert on pizza, I would love for you guys to just you know, set the tone for this conversation and share with us, what is your favorite pizza topping? <laughs> you want to go first, Chris? Sure, sure. Be the expert. Yeah. Uh, so, hey, I'm Chris from Papa John's. Uh, my remit is all things data strategy, optimization, and measurement across our national and local media. Uh, I work very closely with our planning teams to basically take the wonderful things that they want to do for the smart rationale they want to do them and bring them to life. Um, so my, my favorite pizza is actually the uh, fresh spinach tomato Alfredo pizza. <laughs> it was one I had never tried until I actually started working at Papa John's, but it's it's great. Surprisingly good. Three huh? topics. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Jen's keeping you honest. I'm Jen. I am the uh, Chief Data Officer at Digitas. I am responsible similarly for all things measurement, data strategy, uh, data operations for all of our clients in Digitas North America. Um, my favorite topping, well, really on anything, but also on pizza, is um, olives. I love olives. I will put them on salad. I will put them on martinis. I will put them on anything. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Jacobs, I run growth at Etsy, uh, which also includes a few other brands like Reverb, headquartered here. Mm -hmm. So for those who need a Telecaster this week. Um, and uh, so a lot of paid media spend, I come from a performance marketing background, but um, need, to, need to do far more than that these days. Um, favorite pizza topping. I get that Papa John's might create a certain expertise. I'm from Brooklyn <laughs> and um, <laughs> Cheese, the fact is, if it's good pizza, you don't need toppings. Mm -hmm. so. Oh, clapping from the audience. We obviously have some New Yorkers here. All right. Um, so, you know, it's interesting. In the previous session with Melissa, which was fantastic, thank you, um, 
there was the last couple of questions really talked about data deprecation. And I think anybody in this business hasn't, if you haven't heard about data deprecation and the cookie loss, it's, it's, it oftentimes, particularly in measurement, comes off as being very doomsday-esque, right? You know, everything is going away, we're not gonna be able to measure anything. But really, you know, if you look around in the industry, you see a lot of companies and a lot of brands revisiting tools like MMM. We see a lot of investment in testing control and experimentation capabilities. And we're seeing a you know, redefinition of what attribution really is. So, and the reality is there's more data, there's more insight than ever before. Although, as we've talked about today, a lot of fragmentation. So I think the question I wanna to pose to you guys is, are we in a position, is this really, are we entering the golden age of measurement and analytics? <laughs> Who wants to go first? <laughs> I'll, I can jump in, I'll uh, throw a punchline in or two. So I'll start with the, I'm gonna say no, right? Not saying there aren't great things coming, there aren't interesting stuff. But the way I look at this is there, the bar has been raised in the sense we want brand metrics out of performance, we want performance metrics out of brand, we want offline data to have the same kind of stuff that online has, so, so we want more. We also know this stuff is getting fragmented, piecemeal down in, you know, uh, you know, separating user level versus aggregated. So there is a bigger, wider board, and there's more gaps in between. So we get into this place of gap filling, and how do you, how do you, you know, align those things up? So what I might actually offer is, I think we're entering the golden age of leadership strategy. I know there's a word we used a lot earlier on, but what it really means in a big sense, and I, I think it's that gap filling is you can look at it as, oh my God, I have a problem. My, all my stuff doesn't work, or in in a zero-sum game in your industry, being even 10% smarter about what the materials you have are, that's how you win. And if you tie it to, I know we said data strategy, creative strategy, we use the word strategy a lot, right? Um, I started life as a strategy consultant. The fact is, there really is only one strategy if you go by the definition, right? And uh, Travis had a really great um, take on what, uh, you know, the hypothesis-driven approach, right? You form a hypothesis, you take the data to do the thing. Isn't that we all, what we all should be doing with everything? Isn't that marketing? Isn't that leadership generally? Don't, you know, in a piece of creative uh, of a new strategy to enter a new market, all of that. So I look at it as it's actually a golden opportunity for those who can take the different pieces, see the connection across them, and actually be, even five minutes ahead is gonna be a game changer in a space where you're all competing on a bid, whether it's, you know, programmatic TV or, or a search bid or whatever it ends up being, that's how you win. Anything you guys would add? Mm -hmm. I don't know if I would call it a golden age necessarily, but I actually do think that um, cookies going away kind of did us a favor. Yeah. We were using them for something they were never meant to be used for. They were easy, but they weren't necessarily accurate. And so now we're being forced to look at more accurate solutions that have bigger gaps. And so to your point, how we stitch them together is going to give us higher fidelity, even if it's lower volume over time. I'm gonna take that a step further. Like, I'm so excited for the extinction event that's gonna happen when cookies finally go away. The extinction, I yeah, like that I, word. <laughs> I have not met or talked to a single company in any capacity of the technology and advertising space that doesn't sit in a treasure trove of identity, and it's not true. And I think part of the reason things are as hard as they are is that we have a wildly complex ecosystem that shouldn't actually be that complex, and that when cookies finally go away in a crutch that some organizations are leaning on 
secretly, right, and not wanting to admit it, companies are going to fold, they're going to pivot, you're going to be left with a smaller set of players that really matter. So the amount of things you have to figure out, like the problems I have to solve, are going to be very focused, and it's not going to feel as daunting. So it sounds like you guys are all describing sort of this rewriting the rules of what data-driven marketing really looks like, right? And I think that that's a great segue into the next question that I had for you, which is, you know, is really about how do we define success for measurement today? I think a lot of people, I've heard the word KPI several times in a lot of the sessions. And so I'm curious, how should brands and advertisers and agent, their agency partners be defining success? And what are the KPIs that actually should matter today in this new age? So I, from, from my perspective, right, I, I think it's not that complex or, or, or weird we have to figure out, right? You start from a business outcome standpoint, you either grow by getting new customers or getting existing customers to do something more for you, right? Uh, so you basically have two types of campaigns. Get your existing customers to do something, get some new customers. From there, you're just taking a step back and saying, strategically, where do I want to invest from a marketing lens? And what are the things I believe need to occur within those media campaigns to drive the business outcome that I want? That's where you get your mix of standards and media metrics you optimize against. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of testing and learning you should be doing. There's a lot you have to care about and think through to make sure you are actually moving towards those outcomes. Um, but I think the, the, the framework that things can be built upon is it's tried and true. It's been here forever and it's not changing. So you said the word campaign several times. And I'm just going to remind us from those of you who listened to Lou's session earlier, he made a very provocative statement about the death of the campaign. Mm -hmm. Is that still how we should be measuring at a campaign level? Is that how we still are marketing as at a campaign level? And is that, does that make sense in terms of the future of measurement? My opinion. So I agree that outcomes is ultimately the metric we should be optimizing against. I think campaigns are a mechanism we get to outcomes, but we should be looking at a macro level about the success of the business and campaigns contribution potentially to the outcomes mm -hmm. of the business, but it's not the standalone success metric of the sure. campaign itself. It's a way to segment your business and to think right. about how you are executing that media. Right. The same with that. When we think about outcomes, we don't just look at did we drive sales or not sales. We also break it down into what are the 150 things that helped us to get to that point? Because you can't always just jump to the end. You got to do the homework to get there. Yeah. I mean, for me, a, a campaign is just an organization, uh, organizational tactic you're going to use to get to an aim. I'm probably going to the dictionary again, right? <laughs> um, you know, uh, so it can be an organizing tactic. It's not, a, it's not a strategy in of itself. But if I think back to your original question, what's the goal? We are trying to move people along a journey from I have no idea who you are to I am giving you a lot of money. Or, you know, um, some money. <laughs> right. Some money, some piece, everyone take the commission. So I, what, what I, I think it has to be is us... In, you know, sort of in that marketing product analytics stratosphere is what are the most important journey points along the way? Sometimes there are irrelevant ones, right? Sometimes there's like, you know, it, you're saying it's brand lift, but it really needs to be association lift or, or things like that. Like you have to find what are the things that actually are proxies for somebody moving ahead in your journey, right? Measure to those. Watch out for Goodwin's law, the thing that you measure ceases to be a good goal, right? You know, uh, but the point is, you are trying to move them along, along the funnel. Understand what your funnel is. Understand what that journey looks like emotionally, digitally, 
uh, um, financially and and data-wise, and move them along and measure along those things mm -hmm. um, it, it, to get you to that end goal, which is to, to, to deliver on a promise, starting from zero to your vision of the promise, that, the problem you were solving for a customer. And campaign is just one way to be, you're organizing a set of, whether it's creative or an idea that's going to go across your different teams, you know, you know, the pay, here's peso, but right, but you know, that's that it's that organizational thing. As much as yes, you want to personalize till the cows come home. Ultimately, that can't be the only thing because we're all just personalizing. We're all giving the same message, right? We're all going to put a puppy or the thing that they want to see most. If you go to where are you in this? Where are you as your value proposition, as your message, your differentiator? So, so ultimately, I think the campaign is an organizing principle for your team, maybe, to put those things together. And then, right, the, the, the measurement should be agnostic of, of, the thi of that thing, but it's how, how you, the thing isn't just a set of you know, SEM campaigns mm. and, and Newstar over the top. You mm. actually need an idea and a point and a value prop and a product that you're building or service. So you kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, and I think I want to, I was kind of saving this question, but I think I want to bring it up now, which is, you know, there's been a lot of discussion today and at Brave New Worlds in general so far about personalization. Personalization to your known users, and then, you know, that is, is somewhat kind of described, although the word hasn't really come up as association, but more as that more performance-based marketing. And then you've got less personalized, more brand sort of focused advertising. And I think it's important because we're talking about measurement. Can brand advertising drive performance? I'm going to jump in this one. To me, we talk about things going away. I think that distinction goes away, mm -hmm. right? To me, uh, I think I, uh, the last day I thought I had a clear view of this in my head is branded performance, just language. Right, they're just—it's a set of language we, you know, we use a set of set of TLAs, three-letter acronyms, right? You know, um, ultimately, we are trying to move people along a journey. Mm -hmm. And yes, what we may infer with brand is hey, awareness, consideration, association, etc. But some of that happens in PLA. Like we've seen that. Like if you, especially being a marketplace, you put yourself in a market. Being there when searches happen, right, is, is part of that. So there's a little of everything. There are leans, but ultimately you're all trying to do the same thing. So this goes back to that measurement point in the beginning is, is that we have to think of it a little holistically, but it also means we're, bl we're blinder in certain spots. So I don't think there's a different, it's a spectrum, it's a spectrum maybe, mm -hmm. and that's the way we need to be thinking about these things and going back to what's the journey, what are the touches, and, and this is why as much as, we love MTA, maybe putting, even if it's just some, MT, uh, sorry, we love MMM, putting MTA data into it to support, what did that journey actually look like? What's the order of operation? What happened? And if you can even get some sort of brand lift association metric somewhere in the, that to me is like a, a secret sauce, but this is a journey and it, it's, not an, it's not a Boolean, it's you have to actually think about what those steps are in between. My favorite um, cop-out answer to every question is, it depends. <laughs> You've but, said that a few times in our prep call, I know, Jeff. I know, it, it is. It's a, it's a terrible answer, but it's such a true answer to most questions. If we go back to the beginning of the ultimate metric is outcomes and business outcomes, we then need to look at, and it's gonna be different for every single brand and advertiser out there, what is the job to be done that we need to drive those outcomes? In some cases, they're lacking brand awareness or brand favorability or something that helps lead to long-term business outcomes. In other cases, they have plenty of that and they just need people to go to the store and buy the thing or go online and order the pizza with the olives. 
And so we design campaigns in order to achieve those goals towards the end goal of long-term business outcomes. So it's a step in that direction, but ultimately it's all performance because it's all trying to drive business performance, whether it's immediate or over the long run. Yeah, I think it's the lines between brand performance have blurred so much. Really, you're splitting hairs, right? It's can you get the brand logo or some slogan in the six second video before someone hits skip, right? <laughs> uh, like that, you're branded, right? Yeah. You put your, your name out Great there, or is it the product itself you're trying to entice someone with? Um, I would argue most of the time when people think about branding or performance, you're basically more so talking about what. What, how am I setting up the message? Branding is almost always heavy reach frequency, mass awareness, performance, obviously different. Um, at the end of the day, you know, we're trying to get someone to, to buy a pizza. It doesn't really matter. So we've been talking about um, the journey. You've been talking about the journey. You've been using that as related to the customer journey more so. Um, but let's talk about the, the brand and the advertiser journey. So. What does this look like? How do you ensure success? Because we've talked about defining KPIs, defining outcomes. We've talked about how do you think more holistically. But how do you ensure that you're actually set up to do so and that you're, you're executing against that plan? So um, I think first-party data strategy and first-party data capture is a huge component of that. And I know it's spoken about ad nauseum, right? Um, but I think the core distinction is it's, it's the value exchange your brand has with the consumer that dictates what you can get from a consumer that's gonna be accurate and helpful to build your brain about who your customers are and be able to measure them, right? So when I was at Coca-Cola and we had my Coke rewards and it's wonderful for so many things, the amount of people who would you know, set up 15 Hotmail accounts to get a bunch of coupons, <laughs> you know, that, that happened all the time. So there's a bunch of noise in that data. Mike's raising his hand. Yep, thank you. Um, <laughs> That's why it's dead now. Yeah. Uh, then <laughs> now these for the price of one. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then here, you know, at Papa John's, like you actually want your pizza, even if you're pranking somebody, you want them to go the pizza to go to a place, right? You paid so for that pizza. The, the address is going to be real. You're not going to give me a made up address because your pizza's going to go to nowhere, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so the the entire concept of what someone wants out of us, what they're willing to give us, is completely different in those things. And I think, you know, depending on what you are as a brand, if you take a step back and say. What do I have a right to ask based off what I'm able to give? And if you can tow that balance correctly, even if your overall amount of consumer data, like the, the breadth of it, is relatively low, it's going to be highly accurate. You do a lot more versus you know, trying to gimmick your way into getting tonnage, where there's going to be a lot of inaccuracies in it. I agree. Um, and actually, Joanna talked about that, right? In her presentation, she talked about the value exchange and how you can't give away too much value because then it becomes cost prohibitive to the organization. Yeah. But you want to extra- it's, it's really about striking that balance, about you know, ensuring that you're giving enough value, that there's, there's any, there's, the exchange is, is worth it to both the brand and the consumer. Is, is first-party data a requirement for measurement? Do you believe that it's a core component, or is it nice to have? Like, how do you guys, uh, how do you think about the role of first party data in measurement? I think, I'll go first. Um, I think it is a requirement for any sort of modern measurement system that has any 
sort of basis in your existing customers and degree of accuracy around what you're seeing in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. It's not the only thing because there are so many different approaches. All of them have their own imperfections. You need to um, complement them with each other by, by creating a framework that has the pieces you specifically need. But I do believe foundationally first-party data plays a huge role, whether it's in the basis of your measurement or the seed into how you build from it. But I do think it's very important, especially this day and age. I, I will totally agree. If nothing else, that someone else is going to do everything that you do and then add in first-party data and be that 5% better and beat you. Um, so I, I think that's critical. But yeah, I also think of it as, um, besides the improvement of data, it is one more micro signal to add to your vision of the journey of the whole thing, right? Um, or to feed into right variables you might put into a top-down model, or 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 giving it even handing things over in bid signals to a Google that's going to use their own data to do, you know I guess it's first party when it's theirs. Um, but what I'd go back to is is in terms of um, what the journey is for the advertiser. Um, we've talked a lot about uh, you know the theoretical what's the best data and how you get it. The hardest part I think we're all going to go through as much as this is hard enough now is operationalizing it, yeah. right? So we just talked about how, how data from over there is, is gonna have to be matched up with data from over there. Generally, those are different teams. Those are different teams that have their own analytics teams that's different than your team, and, and or it'd be a different subset of the org or whatnot. Um, and even if you do agree and you align, you get through that point, you also then have to change your campaigns or whatever the word we're gonna use on sure. that, but your media <laughs> buys, right? Like, it's great for you to have this measurement that shows up 57 days later that's perfect. You need to be changing things daily and running and doing that if you're doing creative tests. So I think that's actually going to be the next thing that we, we go through. We're all, we, we seem to be very focused on part A, and we need to be. It's hard. We don't have it down. But how are we going to get this in front of entire orgs and get buy-in upward, sideways, down, and get people to change it the way, the way they might look at a piece of creative, they might look at uh, an offline campaign or, um, or even, even a, a product feature, feature change, right? Or something built in with a retention function. So that's, that, to me, is the thing to maybe start thinking about now. Because when we get the first part down, that's, that's what you're going to be working on. How do you get organizations to implement change. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask Jen, because I feel like in your position, I know this may be a tricky question, and I know you're gonna say it depends, but <laughs> you've seen across Digitas clients, so you know, how do you, what do you see working in terms of implementing that change? So taking a measurement, taking results, and actually doing something with it. Um, it does definitely depend by client. I think the, the number one thing, the number one thing in getting that done is creating a shared vision that everyone who is responsible for making decisions aligns to. Because what happens when you don't have that is you have two teams, and you kind of just alluded to this, but you have two teams working uh, on the same thing apart from each other, and they don't necessarily line up. So the number one thing is whether it is a, driven by a CMO or it is, whether it is driven by a CXO, having one person who is ultimately responsible for defining that vision and generating organizational buy-in from the, their peers, but also then the people who sit under their peer set who are all working towards that same goal. Okay. Um, I think the number two thing is putting systems in place that allow you to actually democratize access to that information so that everybody can make decisions off of the same set of data 
because when people go off and create their own sets of data that tell them different things, <laughs> they both think they're right, and then we have other issues, right? So it never having happens. that, that single happens. entity that allows you to then reinforce your process, reinforce your vision, and make decisions accordingly is absolutely critical to driving change. Yeah. Do you guys have anything to add from your own experience? I'll just tie, there's that word from the beginning, leadership. Right? Yep. That's what we're really talking about here. Yes, we're at a measurement conference. Yes, we've got to think about measure. Right? But ultimately, business outcomes tied to a strategy towards a thing, this is what we need to do as leaders, not just as tech, you know, technical tacticians or experts in SMEs. Mm -hmm. we've, got to, we've got to lead in whatever places that we're in, and, and you know, that's the work. Is that a signal? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're not up yet. <laughs> um, I agree, and I think you know we find that too. I think it's important. We find organizationally, you were talking about um, or you know being leadership and bringing organizations together around common goals. I think that's really important. But also, you know, forcing that mechanism of conversation and communication is really important. We find that as a really successful component of a lot of our clients who've implemented really strong marketing effectiveness programs. It's because they're they're forcing. You know, the brand team, their vendors, their, their agency partners, they're all coming together in order to help understand what are the results of what we're seeing and then helping to implement that change. I will add, though, a part that probably comes into it is also incentives, right? So you can have fantastic conversations across these teams. Mm -hmm. If you gold them separately, yeah. conversation doesn't matter. So, I, so this also comes into align, it's alignment, not just conversation. Alignment doesn't just happen because you put two people in a room. You have to think through tying your metrics, whatever they end up being, and goaling people and have the outcomes tie. And it's, these are phrases that were probably uttered uh, 50 years ago in marketing textbooks, but they're as true as ever. So that's the, that's the part. When I say operationalizing, yes, conversations, yes, data access. That's an important part. We all need to be looking at the same thing. But... No one will look at it if it doesn't matter to them. So you also have to give them the incentive to be looking at it because that's the thing that they'll be measured on, et cetera. So alignment of goals, resources, on top of the data layer, on top of the tooling, that's the, that's the way you get to the win. Right, and if the KPIs are not tied to incentives, then I think it's, you know, that's where you start, right? right. So we also talked a little bit about data silos. We talked about the organizational silos and how we have to overcome those. But you also mentioned like data silos, and that is something we see commonly across organizations, where you know the marketing team and the shopper marketing team may have two totally different data sets, and they don't share those that data between the two. So you know, how do we break down those silos? And is, does identity have a role to play in helping to connect the dots across the data ecosystem? What you know, what do you guys think? What have you seen as best practices there? You want to go first? So, sure. Um, so you know, cheating. He, he used to work at New Star. <laughs> I, everyone's got to. We're not supposed to tell anyone. Yeah. That. Um, I'm a plant. No. Uh, so uh, I think what I'm really lucky about at Papa John's is that uh, as a company, it built its own point of sale system. Every store in the U.S. and Canada uses that point of sale system. All the customer data is ours. It all sits in GCP. The fact that that just came into fruition magically over time is phenomenal, right? A miracle, so the, yes. some might say. Yes, so like the orchestration and like customer mastering aspect of this that is a common part of conversation, I have, don't really have to worry about. Mm -hmm. It's more so the utilization of it. Uh, internally, across the broader marketing organization and then externally with my partners, right? So I think internally, it's a lot about driving standards, common ways of segmenting, common ways of 
you know, the, the whole uh, question earlier, like what is lifetime value? What is this KPI? What is that KPI? Getting the key people that matter to say, yes, we're going to define it this way. We're going to report on it this way. We're going to be in one view of the customer from that perspective. That moves things forward very quickly. Uh, and then from there, I think where identity comes more so into play is how you then bring media to life, utilizing a lot of that information. Um, the, whole, the whole clean room concept, you know, it sounds like it's going to nail all the things. Uh, sure. It only took us like 30 minutes to get yeah. to clean room, so know, I'm kind of shocked. Yeah, but. again, I'm a plant. So, um, <laughs> lights, people lights. Yeah, yeah. But again, so I, I think conceptually, it does a lot to help facilitate more thoughtful like allocation of dollars that should mean media works harder, which should mean you win more. You win more as a brand, your media partners get more investment. It should be like a virtuous cycle. Uh, I think the incentives we talk about internally are as much of an issue with the supply side when we're, we're trying to figure out, for, again, from a brand perspective, how that clean operation could come to life. Uh, there's going to be a lot of, it's going to be uncomfortable for people to say, hey, we're going to do a universe overlap, and you might have a lot of customers of ours, you might not have very little. That number doesn't matter so much as what it tells us, right? So again, if I do an overlap analysis and the uh, supplier has like zero of my customers, cool, that means I can recruit a heck of a lot of people there if I do something smart. Conversely, if it's only my customers, I should be thoughtful about what I know to try and get them to do something, right? That sounds so simple, but never really gets talked about. We, generally speaking, jump to the, can I do a lookalike model off your second party <laughs> data? Can I measure something? And like, well, what the hell are you measuring if you haven't really thought about what you're trying to do in the first place? If someone doesn't live in the world of advertising, that seems like you're speaking a foreign language. Mm -hmm. But what you've described is how do we create a common data language? How do we create commonality so that we are clear as to what we're trying to achieve and that we're all speaking the same language about those goals and how we utilize the data at our fingertips in order to execute those goals? Mm -hmm. Do you guys have other, other thoughts around, around this topic? I think identity gives us a reason to do that, right? Like you asked at the beginning, is identity the solution to connecting those things? I don't think it's the solution. There's people, there's process, there's, there are all of the things that everyone has heard a hundred times. But I think identity gives us a reason to do it. Yep. Um, maybe slightly biased being an agency person, but I also think your ag agency is a catalyst for that. Because for us to be able to effectively do our job, we need access to all of your silos of data. So organically, we just start to bring those things together. I'll agree, it's not a solution, it's part of one, but it's also a requirement. The fact is, I don't wanna look alike to tell me, this is someone who looks like, who's an existing customer, and this is someone who looks like a new customer. I don't wanna pay for the existing customer again. I wanna maybe treat them differently. So as much as yes, it's a measurement conversation, haven't we really broken down the, the line between measurement and, and targeting, right? right? Especially, you know, if you're doing this hardcore segmentation but you can't target it, there's the marketing textbook 101, it's not a valuable segment. That's, there's not, you shouldn't segment unless you can do something meaningful with it. So I, I look at it as, if nothing else, your own relationship with your customer, right? And whatever you have in the data record, the address, mm -hmm. um, you know, an e-com record, whatnot, there's, there's, you have a customer journey of some identity there. Why would you not want to connect it to what it looks like offline, mm -hmm. right? I mean, right in a, in a sort of ba most basic sense, your data is, you know, in, a, in any com sense is, you know, the on-site journey. The, 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 what you might call third party or vendor data is what it looks like off-site. Still one journey because they didn't, 
you know, you know, do all this advertising stuff, then think about buying. You know, they've 72 touches across screens, watching TV, that journey goes in and out. So without it, you don't know your customer, period. Right. So Jen, you just hit on a, a, a little bit of a pain point about, you know, agency access to first party, to the brand's first party data. And I think, you know, we've talked a little, I've heard the word walled gardens. I didn't have a tally, but I've heard it several times today. Um, what role do clean rooms and privacy-enhancing technologies play in the future of measurement? And are they, the, are they the, the, the framework that everything operates within? Are they a component? You know, how do you guys think about the, room, the clean rooms as the future of measurement? I think they are definitely a component. So if we talked about first-party data being the foundation, clean rooms are the sort of silos that then sit on top of that first-party data because they are incredibly powerful tools to use, but they have limitations, right? They are limited to the environment in which they sit or the partner which is providing it. And so um, you need, to, you need to use them to the fullest extent of their capability to understand the highest fidelity opportunity. But because they have blinders, you need to use more than one clean room, you need to use more than one methodology, and you need to layer them together to get that sort of full framework of, of what measurement looks like. So credit for the first mention of multiple clean rooms, right? <laughs> but I think what it now ties to, yeah, yes, yes, and yes, we need all of them and their minimum. But the, um, Stitching, there's that word stitching, which I'm gonna, I'm gonna use, a lot of folks use early on, but tying it together, like you learn something here, you learn something there, this one's real time, this one isn't real time, this is offsite, this is onsite, this is what my first party says, my first party data says. Mm -hmm. Stitching it together, not by, you're never gonna get a perfect solution of getting the identity to line up across all these places. Sometimes you'll have to use aggregated data. Um, but the stitching, and even in a strategic, uh, I just use that word again, strategic sense, right? But the, 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 in an operational sense, that's going to be the work. Take every data point in, well, I mean, some might be, think seriously about if it's worth the effort, for sure. But you're going to have to take all of what you have pulled in, and the stitching is going to be the real work. That's the, that's the win or lose here. We're all going to get access to vendor A is going to bring out their best to try to sell you the thing and the thing and the thing. Whoever stitches best wins. So obviously I do think clean rooms play a big role in the future. Uh, I, I think the, the hard part of this from my perspective is more so going to be what does the marketing department of the future actually look like? Because the more you dig into a lot of these technologies and even like, you know, uh, DMP technology or data licensing everything into like a data lake and whatnot, you blur the lines between what the marketer needs to do and what like a data scientist or someone in code needs to do. And usually the people in those skill sets have completely different managers, completely different parts of the organization. Mm -hmm. And force fitting those things to work together continuously, like in an always on enterprise environment, it's not gonna be easy for, for anyone. It's not easy for us, right? There's still a lot of growing that we're, we're doing there. Um, my, my worry is that regulation might speed up at a rate much faster than organizations realizing that the lines have been blurred and we need to have these skills kind of commingled to where all of a sudden you gotta be able to do all your own SQL queries and kind of build all the concepts you're used to the third party doing for you okay. and you don't know what to do and maybe your agency's scoped to do it, maybe they're not and all of a sudden like there's a lot of confusion about how you extract the value. So 
The future of marketing requires a lot more data-driven capabilities and a lot more data science than, mm. than maybe what we're set up for today. But we need to find ways to prepare ourselves for that, is what I'm hearing. And I think it also suggests that measurement has a key role to play, and analytics in particular. Maybe measurement's not the right word. Maybe analytics is really more of the right word, given what you guys are saying. That analytics is really you know, a core component of, of successful marketing in the future. And with that, we are done. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, guys. Great job. Thanks for listening in to our latest episode of Brave New World's multi-part series. If you want to check these out on demand and share them with your team, head over to bravenewworlds.transunion.com. And also stay tuned for more of these sessions on No Hype, wherever you might get your podcast.